Hi everyone, my name is Hermela. And my name is Janette. Today we are here with our season two finale where we will be sharing our reflections about season two of the podcast and what we've learned and experienced. So I think this is a bittersweet moment, obviously. We're so sad to be wrapping up season two, but we also want to share and reflect on all the amazing guests and things we've been able to do in the past year. Yeah, and I think that we've been really grateful to accomplish the things that we've been able to accomplish this past year. And looking back at our Two Blocks journey, I mean, we started this project three years ago. We started this podcast, uh, what, a year ago now? And ever since then, I feel like our message, our impact has been growing and we've been able to do so much this year. So why don't we do a little recap on what we've been able to get through? Definitely. And I think just so we can run it by the numbers, um... This season, we've been able to publish 10 episodes, which is a very big accomplishment with various, almost every episode besides like two had had guests on them. So that's really cool. We had an unveiling of the two blocks installation. Mm. We had our summit. These are all things we're going to touch on in a little bit, but we just want to like offload it in the beginning because we're so excited. And we've had three workshops that we ran and just facilitated alongside FSG Consulting. Yeah, so I mean, what do we even get started with? I think let's what's off, right off the press. I feel like the summit is like at the top of my mind right now. Um, last, a couple weeks ago, we had our summit and it was our mm-hmm. second annual summit, basically double the size of last year's summit. And I think it was very successful. Me and Hermela did a lot of planning behind the scenes on just trying to make sure that this summit and this overall experience was not just something where people came and sat in a room and just listened to a presentation. Um, We really wanted something hands-on, something interactive for our guests, people who have heard of Two Blocks or actually even had not heard of it before to be able to immerse themselves within the work that we do. So, Just to give a little background, what we did and how we structured the summit was we basically had, we hosted it at the Foundry um, and it's a new community space right outside of Kendall Square and it is in a very like big and just modern space to be in so that in itself was a very big like accomplishment and I think even after talking with a couple people at the summit, it was almost like we were living what we were talking in the fact that a lot of the times Cambridge spends all this money on all these amazing buildings, but sadly not a lot of people know about them or are able to fully experience them to the full capacity. So I think this was not only a very amazing space for us to be in and host all these people, but also kind of us walking our talk and showing the community, oh, here's the foundry. This is a very amazing space, but also kind of raise those alarms a little bit on how we can move away from performity when it comes to community engagement and getting community into spaces. But we'll save that for a little bit later. And within the Foundry, everybody and all this IFP team, we set up sort of a gallery walk station um, where everybody's projects and work that they have been doing, such as the web development team, the graphic design, people working on the installations, Everybody had a table where they were able to showcase their work and their just amazing curations, if you will. So we had that and everybody was able to walk through the space, talk to IFP teams, hear about their work. And then we moved into a big, like almost 
group conversation, but it was a guided discussion where we did this Lego exercise. Hermela, if you want to talk about it. Yeah, so this was an exercise that we kind of did with the entire group inside of this room after the gallery walk presentation. So in this workshop, essentially we had these little packets and they had six Lego pieces that were able to be used to construct a duck. And what we did is that we gave everybody in the room one of these um, packets with these Lego pieces and we instructed them to create a duck in a minute with those pieces that we gave them. And so we timed it. We gave them exactly a minute and everybody used the pieces that they got and they tried to construct their duck. And we, what was really interesting about this is that we ended the time and we gave everybody the opportunity to look around and see what their other group mates did. And every single person in a group had different designs for their duck. None were the same. None were related in any way. I mean, I think I saw a couple of ducks. Some did resemble ducks. I think I saw a seahorse duck, a boat duck. There were so many different kinds. But I think that that was definitely, we used that idea to kind of spring into the um, education conversation or the conversation about educational equity. And after giving everybody the chance to kind of look at their ducks and see what they created and also compare it to the people around them, we use this activity to launch a greater discussion into what this means about educational equity, specifically in our school systems. And I think that we had a really amazing conversation. We split this up into three different parts. So after they created their ducks for the first time, we were able to talk about how this represented equity in numerous ways, a lot of them being that right now in the school system, everybody's getting the same resources the same opportunities and that's the definition of equality and equity is being used as a buzzword these days but it's not really happening and what we want to see from equity is everybody being given the resources and opportunities that they need to be successful but in this duck activity that's not really what they experience and I think that was really interesting for everybody who participated to see and that kind of helped open their eyes to this problem to our cause and from there we kept on going so And I think what made it really dynamic as well was it was something that was hands-on and right in front of you. I think a lot of the times when we're talking about such complex and very large-scale issues, such as this idea of equity versus equality, it's hard to grasp your mind about what that actually looks like, what that actually means, specifically within the school district. So I feel like the demographic of people we had was so dynamic because we had a little bit of everyone. We had students, we had business Mm -hmm. people, we had some people from the school, some people from the city. So I think it was a good mixture of a lot of different people that this made an activity so well-rounded that everybody, no matter their background, was able to grasp their idea about what equity and what equality looks like within schools and how we can Mm -hmm. move towards equity. Um, I think the other aspect of that, like Hermela mentioned, we broke it up into three iterative processes so initially student like people were able to build their duck and they had no reference or no sort of like parameters they just had the six lego pieces in front of them and they had 60 seconds to build their idea of a duck and after that initial stage we made sure to reaffirm everybody that whatever they built was a duck because in their terms that's what a duck and that's what came to mind so that should be honored And the next step was, like Hermela mentioned, was we gave another process to address and highlight the hardships or the difficulties in building the duck the first time and trying to display that and showing how that actually 
looks like, not just within the schools, but more so within the duck. So a lot of people were showing like their duck not being like in broken up into pieces, either because they didn't have enough pieces to portray the duck that they wanted, things on that realm. And I thought that was really interesting because everybody had a different set of difficulties that they were faced. A lot of people had mentioned the time constraint. That was Mm -hmm. a very hot topic. Um, The idea that 60 seconds was not enough time to build a duck. But for others, that was plenty. So there's a lot of like tug of war within that. And finally, we gave the process a chance to for participants to show them overcoming that hardship or showing that overcoming that difficulty that they faced. So me and Hermelo, when we initially did this, we collaborated our ducks together. We merged our ducks. We created a duck union. And that was just to symbolize teamwork and how really accomplishing and trying to cross the finish line with a lot of these issues takes a team and takes a team effort to do so. So a lot of people did something in that realm, but a lot of people just tried to fix their duck and make it look more aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting just from a preliminary sense to see how everybody's process was different and everybody's outcome was different. Yeah, and I think that building on top of that, a lot of people after their first round moving on to their second learned a bunch of things about what went wrong with their process and how they could improve it. For example, I know that I talked to one group where when they started, they kind of didn't really know each other. They assumed that the activity was independent. So they just all stayed silent and worked on their duck. But for the second time around, they all collaborated as a group and they made their own duck They made their own duck, but they took the initiative to kind of have a conversation with each other and try to walk through what should go where. And I thought that that was a really um, great way to overcome that challenge. And I love the way they spun that. I mean, I saw a duck family as well to show that they were united. But after that second um, iteration, we did have a third and final iteration. And for this, we wanted people to think about some of the difficulties that they faced and discussed for their second iteration. Think about the solutions that could be used to solve those um, difficulties and use those solutions to create their final duck. So an example of that was... As I mentioned, one of the difficulties was the independency aspect and some groups worked together and that was kind of their way of solving the third project, the third iteration. And I think that also with the third iteration, something that we really wanted to emphasize and what was really the goal of this activity was to answer the question, how might we we move past talk? Mm. And I think that we were definitely able to address that. And we handed out these big poster boards to every group. And after we had our third and final iteration, we engaged in a conversation about how through these difficulties and using these solutions, how can we move past talk specifically when it comes to the educational system? And I think that for that aspect, everybody had been thinking about that topic while we were moving through the duck iteration. So there was definitely a lot that people were talking about. I think just I think that brought up a really interesting point in when we finally got to the discussion block. And I feel like a lot of people who had participated in our past workshops in were longtime like IFP supporters mm-hmm. or just participants in general were really used to like how open our discussion blocks can be and are that that was the expectation for the summit and so we shocked a lot of people by actually having this like very hands-on immersive experience to forefront the discussion and guide it so 
I feel like a lot of people were very eager to just like share their amazing thoughts and there's nothing wrong with that but we did have some guiding questions and one of our questions was how can we move past talk and what actions can we take to do that I think as a whole we had a hard time addressing the question I don't think in a negative light. I don't want to look at it negatively, but I do think that a lot of people were just eager to get their point across and get their position across, and we appreciate that fully. But we also wanted to understand the dynamic and why wasn't this question actually being addressed. And after just thinking about this for a while, the conclusion that I have come to is, one, I feel like either we're just super excited about sharing like how we could move our work forward, that we weren't really thinking about the solutions to do so. And second, I feel like some of the dynamics in the room present were people from the schools. And Mm -hmm. there's a very persistent problem within Cambridge of accountability. So I feel like a lot of people have a lot to say regarding solutions, but almost feel like they're hit with a wall when trying to, like, talk about solutions because they're just going to be shot down with their upbringing of these solutions so I thought that was really interesting and overall my 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 ask for anyone listening is to think about when thinking about problems they also think about the solutions to those problems because I feel like we fall into this like repetitive cycle of just talking about problems and problems and problems that we almost dig ourselves a hole and don't know how to get out of it and don't know how to fix the problem or address the problem so even now moving forward into season three in the fall and our future workshops or summits I think that's something that we definitely want to put out there is like we always say how can you are a part of the problem and we acknowledge that and thank you for acknowledging that but we also want you to acknowledge how you can be a part of the solution So I think this is a theme that going into personally the next couple of seasons or even workshops, I would like to see brought up. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, I think that this past season and this past year in general, we have been able to do a lot of amazing work, have a bunch of amazing conversations, whether it was in person, through the podcast, through the summit and workshops. I think that we were all able to do it successfully, but I think that the moving past talk idea and through line that we've been trying to um, push for this past year hasn't been reflected as much as we'd like to and I think that in the future as well we'd like to see the um, results of our work kind of being shown through and something that we've talked about numerous times before is the idea that everybody has the initiative at this point in time everybody has the initiative to contribute to this solution but I think that one problem is that this issue is so deep rooted Mm. and something that we've been kind of faced with is first of all not only one thing but multiple different obstacles that can come in the form of many different things but I think that we have to acknowledge that this issue and solving it because it's so systemic takes time takes work and it's not something that we can just expect to solve by the next school year and I think that that's something we've already accepted but Obviously, we want to be able to work past these barriers and these obstacles that we've been facing recently. And whether it's not seeing the action that we want or whether it's just making sure that these conversations go farther than just a conversation, we want to make sure that we're able to expand on the action 
steps that we want to accomplish and the work that we want to do in the coming school year. And I think that that's kind of a big theme of what we've been doing this past year, which is, like we said, how can we move past talk? How can we make sure that those who are impacted have a seat at the table? How is student voice prioritized? And that's really all things that we've been getting at this past year. Definitely. And I think before we move on, I do want to give a shout out to the Office of Equity, Inclusion and Belonging um, from the Cambridge Public School District for their work in, in bringing us on to the Equity Collaborative Project. So we just wanted to say and extend our gratitude towards everyone within that office, specifically Sam Musher, for all their help and support alongside planning the Two Block Summit, but also helping us with this just overall issue. So thank you very much. And I do also want to move on quickly to talk mm-hmm. about another amazing accomplishment of our Two Blocks installation that is now live and now present in Kendall Square. So just a couple weeks ago as well, we had our unveiling of that, which was very huge and a very momentous occasion. So, Hermela, what did you think about the installation? I was so proud with the final result. Um, just for reference, it's in the Canal District by the ice skating rink. And, I I mean, we've been working on this and we've been talking about this installation since last year. Mm-hmm. So, being able to kind of see it in person, you cut the ribbon yourself. I mean, <laughs> it was so surreal and it was such an amazing opportunity to have all the people who supported us surrounding us as we were able to celebrate this occasion and celebrate how far we've gone with two blocks, with the project as a whole. And I think that seeing that installation up front, it, like just right there in Kendall Square was kind of an embodiment of all of the work we've been trying to do and how far we've gone and how far we hope to go as exactly. well. Exactly. And I think, it, like Herbella said, it's a testament to how powerful IFP teens and IFP is in general I feel like we are moving moving walls Mm -hmm. moving bridges and we're not moving bridges we need to connect them you know so let me go not get ahead of myself but I do think that it just shows and comes to show the power of like this theme and this overarching through line of IFP that has been super grounded in me is that even as a student and as a teen and as a youth myself I always am like, yeah, I am the future. I am the next generation. But after being a part of IFP for almost, what, three, now going into four years, hopefully soon, um, it's been really amazing to see that, yeah, I am the future, but I am also the now. And even though I am young, I still have a voice and I still have a position to be a part of such a big thing and do a bunch of amazing work. So I think this is just another testament another show and display of the hard work and the effort put in by IFP and I think although a lot of people listening know me and Hermela because of the podcast and just our work with Two Blocks specifically I think this is again another shout out to all the amazing IFP team members specifically Sky and Draven, Julia, everybody who has been an amazing design member and and hands-on collaborator of this installation and has done amazing work 
to actually put this into the real world. Um, so I've been back a couple times after we installed it, and it's really interesting to see people interacting, scanning the QR code, mm-hmm. seeing what it's all about, and it's like, oh wow, like this is work that I've been a part of. This is something that I like helped start, and to see it right in front of you, and to see it in a place such as Kendall Square, such an affu- affluent place, not only within our city but around the world, and the pa- amount of people who are there all the time. It's a really cool and, and just satisfactory feeling, if you will. Definitely. I mean, how can it not be? I mean, after all of the work that we've been through this year, after all of the workshops, first of all, our workshop series, um, shout out to that, our podcast, all of the teams and the work that they've been able to accomplish and what we presented at the summit, I think that... Like, I'm just so proud of everybody who's helped us go this far. I'm proud of the entire IFP team. I think that our final product was what we wanted it to be. And we're just hoping that in the end it can move forward. And I think that a big part of the transition that we had from last year to now was the introduction of our workshop series, Mm. which is something that I like to touch upon because over the past year before the summit, we were able to host three workshops in various locations. We had one at IDEO and um, we had one at IDEO, we had one at Google, and the third one was at the library. Yeah, at the library. And at those workshops, it was basically almost a mini version of our summit but rather than us kind of showcasing the work that we've been doing we focused on having more discussions and I think that the workshops were really like a launching pad for the work that we've been able to do just because we were able to gain really insightful um, information from the people who participated and just like the summit I mean we have our three stakeholders which is the business community the school community and the yeah and the city government and we had all of those members present at at least at basically all of our workshops and essentially they were partnered with fsg um, which is a consulting firm and they were able to have a conversation with everybody present about the impact of businesses being integrated integrating themselves into school communities and helping students achieve their career and college goals and that was really the main focus for all of our workshops kind of like introducing that idea to many of the people who participated and many of those people were new but also returning members and supporters of IFP and I think that there was a lot of there were amazing conversations that we had and they really acted as a launch pad for all the work we've done and just it's amazing to see all the people who showed up to those workshops and all of the amazing group discussions that we were able to have as well. Definitely and I think even earlier on within season one we brought in this idea and this framework of creating shared value versus corporate social responsibility so these workshops were a very great way for us to hone on hone in on this framework and and further advertise and further develop an understanding with our three sectors and three demographics we're targeting within the two blocks conversation and initiative in itself um i think it was again aaron fricker who was one of the main people at the forefront of fsg who was helping us with this work and facilitating these workshops did an amazing job in not only bringing a professional opinion but also creating this framework that i feel like we couldn't have done any better Mm -hmm. um and making it 
attainable to understand but also feasible to implement and i think that's a very uh, important thing when it comes to such big issues like equity within within schools and education is understanding the intersectionality and i think for me this has been another persistent theme across these episodes but also um through this whole year that we've been through is the idea of intersectionality within these problems a lot of the time we're talking about the schools and education as an isolated topic but really there's so much that intersects socioeconomics gentrification race ethnicity religion ability there's so many things that come at the forefront and come at the section of education that are not talked about enough and i think those pieces and those factors play a very significant role in shaping one's educational journey and career and what they choose to attain so i think for me it's been very important to also bring those things up into discussions and bring them at the front of these discussions because they are so important and very i feel like we should not neglect them when talking about education because I think those are very much shapers of one's education journey. So I think these workshops were not not only an amazing way for us to further capitalize on this idea of CSV and CSR, but also bring attention to the other issues at stake and at play when it comes to these issues within Cambridge. Yeah, definitely. And kind of moving back to the idea of intersectionality, I think that's something that we've repeated over time is that the issue that we're dealing with right now intersects so many different, like you said, Janet, so many different issues and so many different problems that we find present, not only in Cambridge, but in the rest of the world. And I think that we found it's important to note that what we're dealing with is not just a Cambridge issue. Mm. It happens all over the world in different communities and different cities. But why it's so important that we're dealing with this issue in Cambridge is because of the uh, fact that Cambridge is known for its immense resources and opportunities and its post-secondary educational institutions and Kendall Square and so many different things. And despite all of that, we have a community that isn't receiving, isn't reaping those benefits and a school community and school system who is which is not as innovative as we'd like it to be in comparison to that. And I think that comparing those two systems, there's a stark difference and a stark contrast between the two. And that's why we want to capitalize on the idea of why do we have such an innovative city and such an innovative community, but not such an innovative school district and not such um, the socioeconomic gaps and barriers are starkly present in Cambridge as well. And I think that all of these issues, they kind of intersect and Obviously, that's what makes it kind of hard to solve the idea that it's not only one issue, it's actually multiple. But I think that that's something that we really are trying to work through and we recognize it's going to be hard. But if we really want to move forward, we have to recognize yes, Cambridge does have the resources and the opportunities, and yes, our school system deserves more. And I think that the work that we're trying to do is connect the two together. And we want to make sure that students are receiving those benefits, receiving those opportunities, and that businesses are also on the other end of the spectrum, but they're also gaining benefits as well. And I think that through all the work we've done, whether it's the summit or the workshops, we've been able to kind of through line that idea 
to the school community, but also the business community. And right now, or at least at the moment, there hasn't that much communication. But our goal has been to build these spaces for communication. And not only that, but make sure that as IFP, we want to make sure that students are at the forefront of these discussions. And that's why we like to be present when these conversations are happening. And we want to encourage other students to be present when these conversations are happening as well. I think that brings up another through line theme of this season is the idea of performative action and how we've come to realize that the real reason there is so much is because there needs to be so much to present this aura almost of work being done when there isn't work being done and this brings up this idea of performity and we see this so prevalent within our schools and just the amount of resources we have does not correlate to the stark gaps we have present in our schools. So just to like dial this down a little bit, the thing is, is like we feel that as students, we see so much around us and there's so much good being done. But the impact, it's like this whole impact versus intent. The intent is there, but the impact isn't. And I feel like the wrong demographic or the wrong stakeholders of these who are benefiting from these programs or benefiting from these institutions are not the real people who are actually in need of them. And I think this is a very Cambridge problem. It's just like we're always seeing the people that are actually impacted, one, not being at the table where these decisions are made, and two, not actually present where the solutions are. And there's always this like gatekeeping culture around like, who gets access to these classes, who gets access to these programs and these extracurriculars, who is able to participate and doesn't have other conflicting factors. So there's so much, again, that intersectionality piece brings up a whole set of other issues. This idea of performative action brings to the table that a lot of the people who are actually the target need or the target beneficiary of these things are not actually gaining anything from them. Rather, people who are on the flip side of that are actually gaining and doing better for themselves by having leverage and access to these programs. So for me, uh, from a student perspective, it's so interesting to see how students who have connections and ties either from parental levels and like family are more experienced and more well-rounded in what classes they should take, what extracurriculars they should be a part of, things like that, rather when students who actually need that information and actually need that guidance aren't getting it. And I think that's like a very interesting dynamic that I have observed. Yeah, and I mean, that dynamic is very much present in the school system. And I think that what we've concluded about this dynamic is that it manifests at such a young age. And the idea that you're not able to receive certain resources or opportunities is based off of the idea and the fact that you may have not had that support or that exposure at a young age. And if you don't have that support or that exposure at a young age, and that could be for a number of reasons, there could be familiar matters, or maybe your parents haven't attended college and you don't really know what that is like. Maybe you're first generation and that could also be another barrier. And there's so many more, such as whether you're low income or your social economic status as a whole can influence what you're exposed to at a young age in your educational career and what that results in is that at a higher level as you move up your um 
educational career from elementary to middle school to high school, you are not in the loop with the resources and opportunities that you should be. And certainly you should be able to recognize that there are certain kids, those who are more privileged and have had the opportunity to be exposed and are more well resourced. These kids are given the chance to hear about these opportunities and these resources and they're the ones who are at the forefront of um, being like exposed to all of these and being accepted and I think we've realized now and it's not only it's not a phenomenon that is unusual at all but we can see it in like statistics that we see today which is which go to show that there are certain under underrepresented students who aren't receiving these same opportunities and I think that a good way that this manifests is, for example, um, there's a huge achievement gap, at least in CRLS. Um, And basically what that means is that there is a huge racial and socioeconomic gap between the students who are taking advanced placement classes and those who aren't. And what we're trying to say is that this isn't an issue that's just started to manifest once a student enters high school, but it's something that's been built up throughout their educational journey in the school system. So that's why a lot of our efforts and a lot of our work has been to look at students who are at a younger age and make sure that all students are being given the support that they need, not only from 9th to 12th grade, but also from K to 8. And that's why a lot of the times we like to reference our pathways to potential, which is the way that we want to expose students starting in kindergarten to the college and career educational opportunities that they're going to experience in higher education and beyond. And we want to focus on the idea that students at a younger age, which is elementary school, they're given the opportunity to for career exploration. So they're able to explore the different um, careers that they're kind of able to possibly pursue in the future in middle school um they become they're certainly more aware of these opportunities and they're able to explore them a bit more from sixth to eighth grade and then in high school they're really able to immerse themselves and that's really where the idea of the idea of collaborating with the business community happens in all of these grades but we're making sure that throughout these um grades from K to 8, they're able to receive the opportunities and resources that they need in order to properly acquire internships and other professional job opportunities when they're in high school. And hopefully this is a solution that we're trying to use to kind of mend that gap that we're seeing at the moment. Definitely. And I feel like Pathways to Potential, especially in this amazing framework that we've developed, has been an amazing way for us to show that, like Carmela mentioned, this support and this gaining of making sure we can have equity and actually getting to equity is something that is feasible because I feel where we are talking now when it comes to equity is something that seems so far-fetched and so like far away we're not actually taking those small micro steps that are needed to start achieving the ultimate goal and pathways to potential is just this model that helps perpetrate this idea of equity and actually embed it and I feel like equity again like this buzzword going around it's so surface level where you just see it thrown around everywhere we don't actually see it in practice it seems like an ideal but not something that's actually in practice and in schools so as a student myself and an upcoming senior and through my journey thus far at CRLS, it's been super, super prevalent and, and just there in my everyday school experience to see how some students are very 
much able to maneuver their way through high school very seamlessly and streamlined and with the help and almost extra help than they actually need to reach their goals because they're able to advocate and self-advocate matter of that and connect and create these connections and make all that Cambridge has to offer actually something they can use to their advantage. But a lot of other students don't know or are not looped in on these amazing things present within our city to be able to do that. And this has been so clear just as a student at the school and a student who is involved in a multitude of different aspects is seeing the same exact students always there, always at the table. And yes, all those students are amazing and they are doing a lot of amazing work. But it's also interesting to see that there's a lot of students who want to be involved and want to be present and want to have a say, but not are not able to, are not given a chance to present themselves in a way that will actually be helpful to them, but also give the feedback of those voices that are not always there that are to be advocated on behalf of. So this comes to show and this idea, lastly, that I want to touch on is the individual silos. Individual silos theme that we've brought up. I think we brought this up in our very first episode of this season with Jess Pina, who is the HR and talent manager on Take Design. And she brought up this idea of silos and how we're just working individually. And again, this just crosses over exactly what we've been saying is we really just need to collaborate. At the end of the day, bringing back that duck exercise, we all need Mm -hmm. to be a group of ducks. We all need to join hands and, and, and set a goal that everybody can achieve and has a say in achieving. I feel like sometimes we're setting these goals are just ways to check off boxes on personal agendas and personal motives of just wanting success for themselves or wanting to have the satisfaction of saying, oh, me and my team did this and we were able to accomplish this and not following up on the work. So I definitely think that with the help of students, with the help of the community, with the help of the businesses, with the help of the local government, we could all come together and address two blocks and address equity within schools, how we can achieve it and what we can do to achieve it. And just to add on final thoughts, I think that to sum up all of the work that we've been doing, I think it's time to recognize that it will not come easy. And right now we're about to head into our third season of recording this podcast. First of all, that just shows how much time we've been investing into this and this work. And I think that our work and the amount of time that we've been able to dedicate and the amount of involvement that we've been able to kind of put into the work that we've been able to put into IFP and two blocks goes to show that how dedicated we are to this issue. And the fact in the matter is that our dedication, we want to make sure is through lined throughout these other business communities, the city community, and just making sure that everybody in a administrative position Everybody who makes the decisions in the city, students are here and students want to be at the table. And I think that that's really what we want to show and want to make sure that we streamline. And I hope that with the conclusion of season two of recording our podcast and with the season finale, that message has been able to come across. And overall, I'm just happy that you guys have been here through to the end. And yeah, any other thoughts and comments yeah i do want to just extend my gratitude and 
how grateful I am not only to have such an amazing co-host, such as Armella. You too. And I feel like we've been able to have such amazing and deep conversations about this issue. And I feel like I always say the work has just started and there's still more to come from both Hermela and I, but also IFP as a whole. So just stay on Wait the lookout and, and, and we will be back. But I definitely want to wrap up the season and, and, and say thank you once again. I feel like this was a very monumental season we had a lot Mm -hmm. of amazing guests and and just people that we were able to talk to that were very very inspiring and had a lot to say about the issue so thank you again to all of our audience thank you for listening and also more importantly thank you to all our guests and participants within the podcast we wouldn't have been able to publish and record such amazing content for our listeners without you and without your amazing backgrounds and ideas so thank you very much and i think with with that that, we're signing off and we'll be back for season three so see you all next year bye